0: This is Canary in a Coal Mine, a Yellowbird podcast. The show about underrated, sometimes peculiar, but mostly well-meaning ways we keep safe in
1: a risky world. Welcome to the Canary in a Coal Mine podcast. I'm Derek Hogan, VP of Sales at Yellowbird, and I'm joined by our CEO, Michael Zal. Today, we are chatting with our friends at Comp Science, Mike Sealing, Vice President of Growth, and Chris Meisel, Head of Loss Control. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.
2: Well, excellent. Again, thank you guys so much. Canary in the Coal Mine has been a uh, labor of love that we've been putting together. And you're one of our earliest podcast attendees. And so we really appreciate you being with us. And we're excited that... Hopefully in years to come, you will say, yeah, well, we were among the among the first on the Canary in the Coal Mine adventure. So I wanted to, first and foremost, just ask you to tell us a little bit about comp science and what you all do and how you're innovating.
0: Go ahead and start us off,
2: Chris.
3: Sure, absolutely. So we are a computer vision company. We're able to take existing video footage and essentially using AI and some other tactics, Pull out a lot of information that was just not being used uh, in the past. So we have a big focus on uh, ergonomic hazards. We have forklifts and powered industrial trucks within plants and working on construction as well. So uh, we cover a lot of industries and we're starting to break through
2: and see some real results. We love what comp science is doing, and we'd love to dive in a little bit deeper on that. But before I do, I'd love to hear more about your individual backgrounds and how you became part of the environmental health and safety industry.
3: Ah, okay. Well, that one honestly wasn't too hard of a choice. I'm actually a second-generation safety professional. My father got hurt on a construction site a number of years ago, and at the time, he chose to actually wa- waive his workers' comp rights in hopes that the company would uh, pay for him to go to college essentially. So he could become a safety professional and stop this accident from happening to somebody else. So I'm, I was lucky enough to be raised on it. You know, my mom's a nurse. So I, I joked that I was bubble wrapped as a kid, but uh, <laughs> a second generation, you know, I'm very passionate about it. I love helping people. And uh, so I've had a career with um, a number of insurance brokers, carriers, and then direct consulting
0: for a number of large companies.
2: Wonderful. Wow. Thank you so much. And uh, yourself, Mike?
0: Yeah. So a little bit different background for me. Most of my career in insurance has been on the carrier side. So I led uh, business development uh, for a top 10 writer of Work Comp uh, located here in Michigan. And from there, as my responsibilities grew, the loss control function ultimately reported up through me. So I had about a Forty, a team of about forty loss control professionals scattered across the country, who, on behalf of the company, went out and visited our policyholders to, you know, identify and implement, you know, loss control procedures and, and processes. So, I'm not an EHS professional by trade; rather, I guess uh, through osmosis, have absorbed a lot of that uh, information and skill set. And, and certainly for me, it's really a passion, particularly in the insurance sector, about, you know, returning employees home safely to their families every day. We don't, you know, in the work comp industry, you don't insure houses or vehicles. It's ultimately people at the end of the day. So um, when, when you're insuring people, um, you want to get them home, like I said, safe to their family and friends uh, at the end of every day.
2: Absolutely. That's a... Uh... Fantastic! In fact, it's so funny you should say that because when we started the company at Yellowbird, we actually had a—that was one of our key mission statements. Is uh, what we do is get people home safely to their families every day. It's so, so interesting and and it's so pertinent.
0: We probably have a very similar mission because I mean, frankly, that's that's our mission is to uh, you know utilize uh, you know our 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 safety, uh, safety platform to help ensure that uh, each and every employee gets home safely at the end of the day.
1: So Chris, earlier you mentioned how artificial intelligence, of course, is an integral part of your business at Comp Science, And we've all seen that, whether it be virtual reality or AI become such a valuable tool in the safety space. And now we're starting to see AI become so much more accessible with things like chat, GPT, or other tools. So I'm curious what you think about the future of artificial intelligence in the safety space specifically.
3: Oh, absolutely. Great question. Uh, You mentioned AI and chats. I mean, just the seemingly basic functions we can use them for are really groundbreaking. You know, you've got um, lawyer programs that can comb through, you know, old cases and come up with pretty relevant information. Um, These are are examples of AI. We're using AI on our side to essentially comb through a lot of data, right? Um, Insurance companies, carriers, brokers have all this injury data that we can now finally utilize Properly, we can comb through it a lot easier. We can find patterns and and things that uh, the normal human might not catch.
2: What kind of things specifically are you? You know, if you have a hot button, if you have an area that you think, wow, this is just low hanging fruit for us. That you know, this is something we do better than, you know, somebody who's personally going through this data. What kind of stuff are you are you looking for? Sure. So on my on the on the
3: safety side and kind of my world. quantifying risk has always been a challenge. Um, we can look at past injuries, we can look at, you know, others doing similar processes and get an idea of what what some of the outcomes might be. But we're actually now with AI able to look at uh, leading indicators. So these facts that might um, might not mean a whole lot by themselves, but when aggregated, when, when you're looking at the whole picture, uh, really shine a light on some areas of uh, possible improvement. So ergonomics is a big one I mentioned. Right. Um, <clears throat> historically, it's been difficult to quantify ergonomics because just the sheer number of either unsafe behaviors or postural changes that eventually will lead to a cumulative injury. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: in years past, all we really had was that injury, and then we had to look back and say, okay, what what really led to all these you know back injuries or shoulder strains? And it's the waist bends, the squats, the reaching overhead, the things that we do inherently, you know, thousands of times a day that really add up to it. And now using our computer vision, we actually have a way of tracking and quantifying all those little unsafe moves and bends so that when, you know, if an accident does finally come, we have lots of analytics as to, you know, what caused it and what the real numbers were leading up to it. And that allows us to
2: anticipate injuries
3: before they happen
2: for other clients. So from from a practical perspective, I I would imagine, and you also could find areas of opportunity to avoid these things so that you are able to highlight, look, we're seeing some repetitive motion here. We're, We're noticing a need for better training or a need for a better policy or procedure around this type of thing. So yeah, it's very, very interesting because can't have somebody sitting there staring at a screen all day long and knowing what they're looking at where you can use your technology. it's Fascinating. Even
3: if we had, you know, 10 full time safety professionals like myself inside that plant, I won't claim to be able to catch everything, you know, even with my head on a swivel. So
0: and i guess i'd like to jump in here cuz you know chris you you touch on what i think the the real um, one of the, the the real values of our our program so what i often talk about and when i when i would go out on uh, loss control visits with with my staff you know previously on the on the carrier side you know typically when you come into a plant or you know a facility they're on their best behavior cuz they know you're coming and so you're you're kind of teaching to the test so to speak and you typically might only come there a couple of times a year and you might only be there for a couple of hours at a time and you know chris i think the world of from a loss control perspective and i work with some fabulous people on the carrier side but at the end of the day they're all human and so you can only see and hear so much you're there for a brief period of time people know you're coming so they're on their best behavior and then you disappear and come back six months later. So the the thing with computer vision and AI, it really turns their cameras into 24-7, 365 loss control consultants. We don't ingest 24-7, 365 video footage, but the point is, is every one of those cameras contains valuable information that once we put it through our CV and AI platform, we're uh, better able to identify because we have all of those cameras keeping an eye out. So we identify better. We quantify it. Most loss control consultants aren't sitting there with a counter, um, adding up waistbands or push pulls, but computers, uh, computer vision, and AI does. And so we can identify, quantify it, and then when we come out on a subsequent, um, I call it visit, but they're in, you know they're uploading footage to us. When we do that second door or third even um, analysis, now you can actually quantify the, the delta between those two visits. You can measure the actual improvement, whether it's bends, you know, forklift uh, safety, push pulls, et, et cetera. It, it really brings a different um, perspective and, and a value to uh, to that video footage. From a Yellowbird perspective,
2: it's so interesting because we're called out to help organizations who discover deficiencies. Um, You know, and whether that deficiency is not enough people in the right locations, uh, from a loss control survey or a or even a training. um, You know, we can do a 500 locations, and you know, in a matter of weeks or months or you you know, very short duration. But in most circumstances, people don't know what they need. So it's funny how we're having this discussion because you're helping identify using better technology areas of opportunity for improvement and then we actually as a mission are giving resources to people to actually help them improve like yeah, do do the actual so you you're, you raise a flag and then we can go out there and assist it's,
0: it's a very interesting energy Let me give you a perfect example of a, of a case study so we've got a client that um we noticed through our uh, CV and AI that employees were hopping over a conveyor belt and they were doing it for a number of reasons. The, it, it was too far of a walk around. Um, they've got production quotas. They, they've got a short you know, lunch break, whatever it is. They, they've got to quickly get from point A to point B. So they were hopping over the conveyor belt. And and through the utilization of our technology, we counted six nearly 600 uh, instances in a two-week period of time and we outlined two solutions to that to that client you can tell your employees to stop doing it better yet you can implement a lift gate and so initially they said well let's just tell employees to stop so they told them to stop and we remeasured them um, a couple of weeks later and same thing two two week period of time they had about 300 incidents of of uh, employees hopping over so it helped but again, people—what do people do when they think nobody's watching? And so they kept using that that same behavior because it's still too far of a walk, and um, and it's they still have production quotas and they still have to get from point A to point B in a hurry. So ultimately, we worked with that client to implement a, a lift gate. And essentially, uh, a couple of weeks later, or whatever the period of time, we came back, remeasured, and we had two instances. So. From 600 down to two, we basically engineered that exposure out of the company, and so that's a, a really good, um, you know, a case study, if you will, of what gets what gets measured gets done. And drawing attention to an issue, finding, uh, you know, it, it's not an expensive solution by any means, but it's a pretty it's a pretty convenient solution. And then now that risk is essentially gone from the company. No more slip, trips, and falls. No more blown ankles, blown knees, etc. For that reason
2: now have had they had losses in that um arena had they actually yes. had claims correct correct so that's a you know that's a very very interesting you know and so you can quantify you can actually say
0: yeah it's measuring exactly how many times people in this case they were hopping over a conveyor we've got we can count bends. we can count slip and falls we can count near misses for forklifts it's it's able to quantify all of those and then when you implement a change You can remeasure later and then indicate to the client just how much improvement they're seeing, which then transitions to a great story at renewal when you're talking about a renewal with their carrier, because now you can actually say it's a much safer company as a result of their efforts.
1: A very cool example and a good segue to my next question, uh, Michael Sealing. So aside from risk management or risk mitigation, how else does your tech enable safety leaders to? to be more impactful or be more efficient to ultimately get their people home safely?
0: So a lot of companies know they have exposure. They know because of prior losses, um, that there is inherent exposure in what they do. Um, and what they lack usually is the context and the, the tools to ultimately, uh, implement a solution. A lot of times loss control can, they, they might address the wrong, um, uh, you know, symptom, if you will. So, slip and falls. So, so they, they focus on, We'll keep your sidewalks clean, you know, clean up, uh, you know, water spills, etc. When, in fact, somebody's slip and fall is a result of the conveyor belt that I uh, mentioned earlier. So, through the utilization of, of video footage, applying CV and AI, you ultimately get to the root cause of the issue or issues and then you can tackle them based on the severity. So um, you, you then utilize that video information. So ultimately, again, a human can't sit there and pour through hundreds or thousands of hours of footage, but computers can. Um, and applying the artificial intelligence and computer vision, it pours through all of that. And then we render back to the client, you know, snippets of that video footage leading to those near misses. And then the client then utilizes that video footage for toolbox talks, employee training, um, you know OSHA visits, should something like that need to happen, uh, can be a repository for their workplace safety programs, etc. So the 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 utilization and usage of the data is is ultimately endless. But we've got you know a half a dozen to a dozen things that we immediately can utilize that information for. Mostly along, you know, the quick identification of those workplace exposures and also ultimately solutioning uh, to to engineer them out of the company.
2: It just uh, occurs to me that in this discussion, that you're it's so, and of course, you know this. This is your business, and this is why you've created such a a, a great uh, solution with with Comp Science. But it occurs to me that when you do go to the doctor, and somebody says, "How did you get this injury?" There's a lot of factors that go into that. And mm-hmm. there's the repercussions of the response. There's the, you know, I know I wasn't supposed to be jumping over the uh, the conveyor belt. And so I'm just going to say I slipped on something or, um, you know, something or, or just it's it's human nature not want to have a punitive reaction. Um, from that perspective. And so you can t- understand why the company and the insurer who's going to end up f- footing the bill would not necessarily uh, get the, all the data they need in order to, you know, make sure that that they're being covered properly.
0: Right. And, and, and look too. remember that in most cases, the 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 data that's at your fingertips in the traditional loss control world is the historical loss runs as well as what they see during a visit. So the the loss runs in and of themselves are rear view mirror, right? So that's yes. what happened yes. in the past. And what it doesn't say is what all of those near misses. And so when 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 Chris and Lauren and our team pours through you know the video footage and we we determine whether something is a near miss or not, it's it's amazing to see just how many times. You know, material handling issues. Something almost falls on an employee and they didn't get hurt. So therefore it's not on any sort of loss run. But the the event itself is a near miss and it's a it's a flag of sorts of something potentially being wrong. One time, maybe not an issue, you know. But when you uncover, you know, 38 occurrences of something in a two-week period of time or whatever the time frame, now there's something there, and that's an actionable piece of information that the employer. Uh, working with their team can help mitigate.
2: Yeah, as we all know in the insurance world, statistics don't lie. So Correct. if you have enough data points on the specific thing, it's it's a matter of time. It's not a matter Correct. of if; it's it's a matter of when. Correct. And so, yeah, you you give a new data you give a new data
1: point. You really do. So one other question I've got, just you know, with you all and Comp Science specifically being experts in the space, and with being the eye in the sky, so to speak, in a lot of instances. When you're reviewing an incident or perhaps an avoided incident, what exactly does safety leadership look like to you when you see it? How do you identify that? Safety leadership. Well,
3: it really comes down to what we do with the information, right? So we see somebody slip and fall. Um, The first question, obviously, is why, right? Was the employee not paying attention? Was the employee... Uh, you know, distracted or doing doing something else. But realistically, there's a there's a root cause, right? Whether, whether it was partially the employee was distracted. If we have a a leaking, you know, roof tile, or three or four supervisors went by and saw that spill before anybody came and corrected it. Um, it's really digging down and and really finding kind of the root cause of what's what's causing these injuries. And that's one thing that we're able to do uh, with the technology is we're not necessarily just showing you when people have fallen, but we can catch that spill and we can show you how many people walked by at first. So we might have something like, a, you know, some behavioral problems or some, um, you know, coaching efforts that could make it a little better.
1: Great. And in your opinion, Chris, you know, whether it's utilizing technology like Calm Science has available or any other technologies for that matter, where do you see opportunity for the environmental health and safety industry specifically to be able to grow in knowledge and expertise and really evolve
3: yeah absolutely um so one of the hardest challenges you know being in on the ehs side is you know i know how people can get hurt i've i've been through the training i know what can cause it it's it's really about making a strong presentation to others at a company as to just how valuable that information is how how much of an impact we can make with that information it really comes down to you know how you're using it
2: very interesting i actually um come i agree it's a uh, you know i imagine and this is something that you may or may not um want to speak to but i imagine one of the f- obvious questions that people are going to have when you're being implemented is you know the eye in the sky or the you know the big brother concern that people have of people are watching me and what does that mean? Um, what does that mean to me as a employee? And what does that mean to me as leadership from that perspective? So how do you respond mm-hmm. to that? Like how, what is your, I mean, cause I, I imagine you hear it. I, I, you know, as a business owner myself, you know, I yeah. you always think about your own liability as well as the liability and, and risk for your, for your employees.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd be honest, if somebody came to where I was at and started putting up cameras, you know, it might make me a little uncomfortable as well. Um, the great thing is we're using pre-existing camera systems. So these are systems that are already in place. They're already recording. Employees already know that they're there. Um, what we're essentially just doing is where you might be using that video footage for uh, security, say. Um, maybe after two weeks, that video footage just gets erased because no product went missing or whatever whatever the, the use case might be. Right. What we're essentially doing is, hey, before you delete that, we're gonna ring out some extra information, you know, all the waste bends, all the near misses, the forklift collisions, and we're actually going to use that data before it gets deleted. So, from the perspective of an employee on site, they, you know, whether they even know that there's been a process change is kind of dependent on what the the company has told them because we're not we're not going out and adding anything extra. Mike mentioned, you know, with ergonomics at least, how difficult it would be to. Try and capture all that visually. Well, that's what I've been trying to do the last fifteen years of my career, right? Yeah. If I had an ergonomic, if I had an ergonomic issue, I'm the guy out there setting up a camera, taking notes, and watching you all day because that's the only way I can get that information. There's things like um, what, what's referred to as the Hawthorne effect or the observer kind of paradox. If I know I'm being watched, I'm gonna, you know, my tie's a little straighter and <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a little you know acting a little bit better and we're able to circumvent some of that with uh, the fact that they're pre-existing cameras
2: it's amazing how good of a driver i am when a police officer's behind me it's incredible <laughs> yeah, right exactly <laughs> um,
0: i'll add on a couple things too uh to to what chris said which is you know we're not utilizing any cameras that are aimed at um you know, any sensitive areas. So it's public spaces only. There's obviously no, no personal identifiable information uh, gathered throughout this. Um, during the, the process, we are redacting or at least anonymizing the video footage. So it, and so you're not pointing out specific people. Um, during the, the upload uh, phase, it's all encrypted, uh, 32-bit encryption. We use AWS servers. Uh, so we've got, you know, everything that a that a cyber professional would want you to have in place, and then some. We have all that, and then, like I said, you add to it the fact that we're not collecting any of that personal identifiable information. Uh, we're up on all of the uh, uh, state specific rules and guidelines around that uh, area. So uh, ultimately, and then we we really do leave the choice to to the insurer to the to the client on. You know, if there's certain cameras that might have, um, you know, sensitive data, maybe it's confidential data or a process, they don't they, they don't send us that footage. You only, we only get what you give us. And so at the end of the day, they have the ultimate control. And then once we're done, uh, I love the term, Chris, you know, bringing out that data, they have a choice. They can keep it because we do have an online app that they, uh, utilizes a dashboard of Sense. At the end of the day, if they want their data deleted, we can ultimately delete it. It gets the deleted then from our uh, app for them, but they ultimately have the choice at the end of the day whether to retain or delete that data. and we follow their we follow their request.
2: Very, very interesting. That's a that's a very good response to something that I imagine is is what sits in the back of most people's heads. I mean, we know from an insurance perspective, the carriers, um, you know, a, a loss avoided is a is a earnings met. And the if they are able to reduce their loss, um, their losses, then they're going to be able to pass on those that value to their clients, but they're also going to be able to improve on their um, profitability as a company. But there's always the other side of that, which is how much do I want to uh, how much do I want to provide as an as the insured to my carriers? and ha- what does that mean? So the ability to anonymize, and the ability to um, get to the crux of the issue is amazing.
1: Again, thank you to everyone out there for listening. Until next time, this has been the Canary in a Coal Mine Podcast with Yellowbird. This has been Canary in a Coal Mine, a Yellowbird podcast. Tune in next
0: time to hear insights from Yellowbird Crows, specializing in EHS and risk management, on how data science can support health and safety in the workplace. Thank you to our Canary Club partners for supporting this podcast. Safepedia, AIHA, Columbia Southern University, Safety Talk Ideas, Billy for Insurance, and Soil Connect. Stay safe.